Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Today we are gonna be talking about purpose. Come on, someone say purpose. Purpose. Last week, Meredith talked to us about the presence of God. Today, we're talking about the purpose of God. Next week, we are talking about the provision of God. And if you like alliteration, it's going to be easy for you to remember because we're moving from one P to the next P to the next P. And uh, if I do my job right today, then probably, probably about a half of y'all are going to end up quitting from your jobs by the end of the week because you're gonna realize that you are not walking in the purpose that God has for your life. No, I'm just playing. Do not quit from your job by the end of the week as a result of what I'm saying. And, and I know that, uh, that employers are nervous all over the place because people are quitting like crazy. People quit uh, over the littlest things these days. Now, if, if, the, if it is right for you to quit, then there's no problem with you handing in your letter of re resignation. But I find that people are so quick to quit these days. We're so quit, quick to quit our, our place of employment. We're so quick to quit our gym if the personal trainer is pushing you too hard or they're recommending you do things that you don't want to do or, or if, your, if your pastor preaches something that you disagree with, you quit the church or if your employer makes you do something that you don't want to do, you quit your job. We, we're so quick to quit what it is that we're doing. And as I speak with amazing employers around the country, one of the things that I've come to learn is that good employers don't stress when they are handed a letter of resignation. Because if someone's time is done on your team, then it's good to let that person go. Now you should do whatever it is that you can possibly do to keep that person on your team for a little bit longer, but ultimately if someone's time is done on your team, then the best thing that you can do is to let that person go. It creates a toxic environment, it creates an uncomfortable environment, it creates a stressful environment to try and keep people for longer than what they are meant to be in your care for. And, and I've grown to do this as a, as a pastor, as different people have come and had conversations about, I don't feel like this is my church anymore. I don't feel like Cornerstone is the church for me. I love those conversations. Because I love being able to sit down with, and, and I gotta be honest, like it does hurt my flesh if someone says, I, I don't want this to be my church anymore. I don't believe that Cornerstone is the church for me. Then like I love it on one hand and I dislike it on the other hand. You know how two things can be true at one time, right? My flesh doesn't like it because my ego takes a hit. But I love it because I get to celebrate what God is doing in that person's life. And as a church family, we don't criticize people that are leaving our church. We don't throw rocks against people that are leaving our church. We don't, we don't harm people that are leaving our church. We celebrate the fact that God is speaking to them and that they are listening to what God is saying in their life. And, and I get it because what I have come to learn is that I am not meant to be everybody's pastor. Cornerstone is not meant to be everybody's church. And that is okay. Because you might not like the worship that we have here because it's too loud. My watch tells me every single Sunday morning that the worship is too loud. We've got too many decibels going on. You might not, not, not like the theology that we preach. You might not like the kids' ministry, the next year. You might not like the way that we do things, and that is perfectly fine because I'm content in what we're doing. I know what God has called us to do, and I know I'm not meant to be everyone's pastor, and I know that we're not meant to be everybody's church, and that's cool, and we're not going to criticize you if you find a church home somewhere else, and I'm going to 
celebrate the fact that God is speaking to you and that you are listening to what, him, what he is saying. But, uh, but ultimately, what I do think is that we've got to stop this competition between different churches. All this talk of like, that person stole this person from me, or this person stole this idea from me, or, or you know, this criticism between different churches, it's got to stop. Because the last time that I checked, we are all on the same team. The last time that I checked, we are all in his kingdom. The last time that I checked, we are all serving his purpose. And I love what God is doing in this church in the region and that church in the region. I love what God is doing at the church down the road and the church up the road. I love what God is doing in our churches. And I love the fact that we get to be a part of it. I'm honored for the fact that God has called us to be a part of it. I'm honored for the fact that God has called us to play a role in his kingdom. And, uh, and if Cornerstone is not your church, then, then that's cool. And I've got a list of like 30 different churches that I would love to connect you with. I have friends that are pastors in churches all around this city that I believe in, that I'm committed to, that I am praying for, that we, that we are supportive of, and I would love to connect you with them so that you can be in a life-giving church that is just for you, that you are gonna grow in. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I don't know how I got on that rabbit trail. Purpose. Purpose, we're, we're talking about purpose today. Purpose is, um, purpose is not the thing that you do, that is your job. Purpose is not the thing that you do, that is your job. Your job is like your occupation, right? It's the, it's the thing that you do. Your purpose is why you exist. Why you exist. Your purpose is not your occupation. Your purpose is not your assignment. Your purpose is not your job. My purpose is not to be the pastor of Cornerstone Church. Funnily enough, this is the assignment that God has me in right now. My assignment is that I am the pastor of Cornerstone Church. My purpose is not that I am the pastor of Cornerstone Church. I know that this is the way that my purpose is currently being administered right now. I know that this is the way that my purpose is currently fulfilling itself in my life right now, that I am the pastor of Cornerstone Church along with my wife, Meredith. This is my assignment. Your purpose is not your occupation. Your purpose is not your job. Your purpose is not what you do. Your purpose is why you exist. Your occupation is what you do. Your job is what you do. And it's a dangerous thing to confuse your occupation and your purpose. It's a dangerous thing to confuse those two things. And it's, it's also not just a dangerous thing to confuse those things, it's also, uh, it's, it's also a wasteful thing to not know what your purpose is. It's a wasteful thing to go through life not knowing that you have a purpose, not knowing what your purpose is, not knowing why you exist, and, uh, and I want to talk about that today because our purpose is so important. We've got to get a hold of what our purpose is collectively. We've got to get a hold of what our purpose is and why we have been created specifically and uniquely. And so it says this in Acts chapter 13. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. When David had served his, God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. First point that I wanna let you know about today if you're taking notes is that it's not about you. It's not about you. I want you to look at the most egocentric, the most arrogant person in your section and tell them it's not about you. It's, tell them it's not about you. Did anyone just look straight at you? Because that, that, that tells you what they think about you right now. 
It's not about you. If you are here today, then you have a purpose. If you're listening to my voice today, then you have a purpose. But your purpose is not about you. It's not about you. And I know that, that uh, like a healthy upbringing, your parents would have told you everything is about you, that your life revolves around you, that, that the entire universe revolves around you, right? And if you are an only child, then even more so, your parents told you that everything revolves around you. Lord, help us from the only children that are here. Right? Your parents tell you that it's all about you, and then the world tells you that it's all about you, and our human nature is just wired to think that everything revolves around us. The entire universe revolves around us. That's why every single story that you've ever been told, every single book that you've ever read, every single movie that you've ever watched, it follows pretty much the same principle because we always try to find ourselves as the hero in every single story. You think that you are the hero of the world and you try to find and connect with the hero that is in the story. It doesn't matter what story it is. It doesn't matter whether it's Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. It doesn't matter if it's Avatar. You always try to connect with the hero in the story, right? And we do this with how we read the Bible as well. We always try to enter ourselves into the Bible. The problem with this is that we enter ourselves into the position of the superhero. And the problem with that is that you are not David and Goliath is not the world that is coming against you. You are not David. You, you are not Moses. You are not Moses standing at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army coming behind you. You are not David. You are not Moses. You are not Abraham. And the problem with that is that when you enter into the Bible as the hero in the story, you put a burden on yourself that you cannot carry. You put a weight on yourself that you cannot bear. And the, the danger with that is that the, that the Bible was written for us, but it's not about us. The Bible was written for us, but it's not even written to us, right? And so as we're entering into the Bible and as we're reading the Bible and as we read ourselves as the hero of the story, it's just not a good way to read Scripture because, because we are not David. And, and, if you, and if you want to look at it like in terms of types and shadows, then, then Jesus is the better David, because we're not the hero of the story, Jesus is. Jesus is the better David. Jesus is the better Moses. Jesus is the better Abraham. Jesus is the, it's the whole point of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is the better version of the, and we keep on adding ourselves into scripture like I am David, I am Esther, I am Mary. And I get what we're doing there, but as you read into scripture, we have to stop reading ourselves as the hero of the story. Because if you, like these were historical figures that, that did exist and did live, right? But if you were to make a comparison about who David is and about who Goliath is, then Jesus is David and Goliath is the devil. And who does that make you? It makes you the Israelite soldier that is cowering in the corner that is pleading for God to do something, that is afraid, that is, a, that is nervous, that is pleading and praying for God to save you. It doesn't make you David, right? Huh? It makes you the Israelite that is cowering in the corner. So we've got to make sure that we stop reading ourselves as the hero in the story because you're not. 
And I know that you came to church today wanting an uplifting message. I know that you wanted to be told that you are awesome, that you are incredible, and you are. You are. Uh, but not because of anything that you have done. You are awesome and you are incredible because of what God has done through you. You are awesome and you are incredible because of what God has done in you. That is why you're awesome. That is why you are incredible. Right? And, uh, and I, I love that this entire 21 days of prayer and fasting, we are reading through the Lord's Prayer. We are being reminded of how Jesus told us to pray. And it says this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. But how many times when we pray that prayer, do we really actually mean my kingdom come and my will be done? Right, in this scripture that we just read in, in the book of Acts, when it says of David that David served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Whose purpose did he feel? God's purpose. When we reading through the Lord's Prayer, whose kingdom is coming? God's kingdom is coming. Whose will is being done? God's will is being done, not our own. And it's so simple and it's so clear, but how often do we pray for our own kingdom to be coming and our own purpose to be done, right? Like, like you've been dating someone for the last 18 months and then they propose to you and now all of a sudden it's your wedding day and you pray to God that he would finally bless your marriage even though you haven't considered him once in the entire time that you've been dating. Right? You seek new employment and you go through the interview process and you accept the job and then you ask God to finally bless the career that you have ahead of you, but you haven't once considered God in the process. How many times are we really actually praying and expecting for God to bless me in my will and me in my purpose and not blessing God's will in me? Come and look at someone and say, it's not about you. It's not about you, it's not about you. It's about what God is doing in you. It's about what God is doing through you. And you will fully realize your purpose when you begin to accept that life is not about you. You begin to realize your identity, you begin to realize your purpose and accept it when you realize that, that God created you not for your own purpose, but God created you for his purpose. And God created you for his will. And it's incredibly liberating because it's no longer about what you can do and what you can achieve. It's about what God can do through you. And it's about what God can do in you. And it's freeing and it's liberating. And, uh, and, and when I think about the tombstone that, that I want left when I die, what I want it to say, Meredith, I hope you're writing this down, is that what I want this to say is, I want it to say, um, here lays Phil. He did everything that God appointed him to do. That's it. What I want it to be said of me is that I did everything that God told me to do. I did everything that God appointed me to do. Come on, how many would want that kind of legacy? How many would want that kind of thing to be said about you in your celebration of life service that I did everything that God appointed for me to do? I did not try and build my own kingdom. I did not try and establish my own purpose, but I did everything that God had appointed for me to do. I did everything that God had for me to do. I want that to be said of me. I want that to be said of us because there's nothing, there's nothing that brings purpose like when you are, or excitement and fulfillment like when you're living on purpose. There's nothing like it. 
And you can tell the kind of person that's living on purpose because they are filled with uh, excitement. They get out of bed every day. They are excited for life. They're filled with anticipation. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly why they are doing it. This person is filled with joy. That's a person that is living on purpose. And you, want, you know also when you're not living on purpose, it's like if you're blatantly living in sin, you're probably not living on purpose. When you're meandering through life, you're probably not living on purpose. When you are uh, unfulfilled, when you are lacking joy in your life, you're probably not living on purpose. And, and that is not what God has created us for. God has created us on purpose for a purpose. On purpose, by purpose, for a purpose. That is what God has created us for. And so many of us are going through life not living on purpose. We might think that our purpose is our occupation, but we have no idea what our purpose actually is. And so I want us to talk about it for just a few more minutes today. Firstly, we need to understand what is purpose. Purpose is, um, there's, there's two ways of understanding purpose. We have a general purpose and we have a specific purpose. A general purpose and a specific purpose. Our general purpose is true for everybody. This is something that we can learn about when we read through the book of Genesis. This is true for all of humankind. We have been created to be in right relationship with God, to be in communion with God. We have also been created to be in right relationship with our brothers and our sisters. We have been created to take dominion over the land. We have been created to work. These are the things that God have create, has created all of us to do. All of us. Not just some of us, all of us have been created for those four things. And we read about it when we look at the book of Genesis. But then God has also created things for you to do specifically. God has created you specifically, uniquely for a purpose. And so many of us just have no idea what that is. In Ephesians chapter 2, 10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has created us with a general purpose and a specific purpose. And it's time that we found out exactly what it is that God has created us to do and exactly why God has created us. And the Bible is, is full of examples of people that are living in their purpose. Not just people that are living in the right occupation and doing the right thing, but, but people that are living in their purpose. Like when you think of, of Joseph in the Bible, right, he's with all of his brothers and then his brothers sell him off to be a slave. And then he gets trapped in a terrible situation by Potiphar's wife. And then he gets lied on when he gets thrown in prison. He gets forgotten about. But the reality is, is that it doesn't matter where you find Joseph. He leads his way out of it because leadership is on the inside of him. His purpose is to lead. It doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter what his environment is. It doesn't matter what his situation is. Leadership is on the inside of him, and leadership is his purpose. And so when Joseph is lied on and, and sold by his brothers, he leads his way out of it. And, and when, Potiphar, uh, when Potiphar's wife lies on him, he leads his way out of it. And when he's forgotten about in prison, he leads his way out of it. It doesn't matter what situation he's in, he leads his way out of it. It doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter what environment he's in. It doesn't matter who's speaking to him. He leads his way out of it because purpose is on the inside of him. And you can take the man out of the occupation. You can take the man out of the role. You can take the man out of the environment, but you cannot take the purpose out of the man. 
Because what God has put onto the inside of somebody, nobody can remove. And so when you have your purpose, nobody can take that from you. Joseph knew what his purpose was. We read this in, uh, in Matthew chapter 4 when, when Jesus was beginning his public ministry and he started to call his disciples. He went after different ones and he called them in different unique ways. He goes to James and John and, and he says to them, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is how Jesus calls James and John. And the reason that he says that I will make you fishers of men is because they were doing what? Fishing. They were fishing with their father in the boat. Zebedee and his sons are fishing in the boat and then Jesus comes and says, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He takes the thing that Zebedee has already put on the inside of them and he grows that thing. He takes that lower thing and makes it a higher thing. And what, what it tells us is that Jesus is able to take anything that you give him and make it a better thing. There's so, much, there's so much in this. There's so much in this that I want to talk about. This story excites me because when I read about this in Matthew chapter 4, there's, there's so much complexity in this simple phrase, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I get excited about it because of what it tells me about Zebedee. What it tells me about the father is that while he's in the boat with them and he sees Jesus, the rabbi, the Messiah, come, he doesn't go with the sons when they are called. He stays in the boat. Have you ever thought about this? He stays in the boat and he releases his sons to go with Jesus. He doesn't go with them. One of the worst things that he could have done would have been to have gone with them. Because, because one of the worst things that we can do is, is not let our children find their own walk. One of the worst things that we can do is not to release our employees to go and start their own business. One of the worst things that we can do is to hold the things that God has given us to be the stewards of and not release them in their own time. Everything has a season. And there is the potential that you have been holding on to that person for too long. Maybe your child wants to move out and you don't want to let them go. Maybe your employee wants to start their own business and you don't want to let them go. Maybe you want to keep holding on to people and you want to keep pursuing after things with them, but you don't want to let them go. One of the worst things that Zebedee could have done would have been to have gone with them because that wasn't his time and it wasn't his calling. He knew his time and he knew his calling and so he stayed put in the boat and he let his sons go when Jesus called them. That's what it tells me about Zebedee. What it tells me about James and John is that they responded to the call of Jesus immediately. It says, immediately. It doesn't say that they took seven days. It doesn't say that they consulted with three friends. That they didn't spend a long time talking with their dad, Zebedee. They responded immediately. When Jesus called them, they responded immediately. And how many times in life do we hear God's voice? Do we hear what God wants us to do? And then we think, I'm gonna put that away until I have time to process through that. I need to, I need to speak with four different people about that. If God speaks to you, you should do something with that immediately. When God speaks, you should move. When God speaks, you should move immediately, instantly. When God enters into a situation, when the Holy Spirit enters into a situation, it, could, it should cause change in our lives. Nothing should remain the same. Nothing should stay the same. Everything should change when Jesus 
enters into a situation. And how many times have you held onto something when God has spoken to you? It's time for you to move and you hold on to that thing. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to do something. It's time for you to start that thing. It's time for you to grow that thing. It's time for you to speak to that person. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to do the thing that God has put on the inside of you to do. One of the things that I, I love about the story, though, is that Jesus takes the thing that Zebedee had put on the inside of them, and he grows that thing. He takes the foundation that Zebedee had already placed, and he takes it to a whole new level. He takes the lower thing, and he makes it the higher thing. Everything that you give God, he makes better. Everything. Everything that you give God, he will make better. You give him your fears, he will make it better, and he will use it for his glory. You give him your concerns, he will make it better, and he will use it for his glory. You give him your money, he will use it for his glory, and he will make it better. Whatever it is that you give God, he exchanges and makes it better and uses for his glory. Whatever it is that you give God, he will make it better. Whatever natural thing that you give God, he will turn it into a supernatural thing, and he will make it better. Whatever it is that you exchange with God, he's going to make it better. And when you enter into a time of prayer and you ask God, God, what is my purpose? He will show it to you. And the reason that we've got to ask God is because you cannot ask yourself, what is my purpose? Because you didn't create yourself. And so if you didn't create yourself, you can't tell yourself, this is my purpose. You can't tell yourself because you are the created one and only the uncreated one, the creator, can tell the creation, this is why you exist, right? You can't ask me, why was I born? Why do I exist? I can't tell you that. I can help you in your journey as you discover that, but I can't tell you why you exist. Only God can. Only God can. And so as you go to him with prayer and as you go to him asking him, why do I exist? I believe that he's gonna tell you. I believe that he's going to reveal it to you. I believe that he's gonna show you why you exist. And, and here's the thing. When, when God tells you why you exist, again, not what occupation that you should have, but why you exist, we have to pursue that thing with all of our passion. All of our passion. What we can't do is just hear the presence of God and think that God is going to Bless that. What we can't do is just allow through the presence of God for him to speak our purpose and think that God is just going to bless that. We have to be willing to work the thing that God has given us to do. We have to be willing to grow the thing that God has given us to do. We have to be willing to grow the presence that God has given us. We have to be willing to grow the purpose that God has given us. We have to be willing to, 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 to do that. You, you can't just expect to show up to your boss and ask for a raise when you ain't doing nothing. You can't expect a promotion. You can't expect more money just because you're showing up. You ain't doing nothing. You can't expect a breakthrough in a situation when you aren't working that thing, when you aren't developing that thing. You can't expect better grades if you're not going to study harder. You have to be willing to work that thing. You have to be willing to work the thing that God has given you. And we do it because we do everything the way that God has told us to do, and it's for his glory. It's not for your glory. It's not for your own kingdom. Everything that we do is for his glory. 
It doesn't matter whether you eat. It doesn't matter whether you drink. It doesn't matter where you work. Everything that we do should be for the glory of God, right? When, uh, when I get most excited, it's when I'm thinking about the fact that we are a people that know our purpose and we are pursuing it with passion. When I think about our church with most excitement, I think about the fact that we are a people who know our purpose and we are pursuing it with passion. That is who we are. That is who God has created us to be. God has created us to know our general purpose. God has created us to know our specific purpose and to pursue that thing with passion, not to expect God to bless the fact that I know what my purpose is, but the fact that I am pursuing it with passion. And, and it's important that we know what our purpose is and not just what our occupation is meant to be because if we think that God created us for a job, then we begin to think that our purpose is what our job is, right? And the danger in that is that when you think that your purpose is the thing that you are doing, the occupation that you are doing, you begin to think of life like, like God's purpose, like it's a tightrope that you are walking down, that you can fall from at any moment if you step out of that occupation. Your purpose is bigger than the occupation than you are in. Your purpose is bigger than the relationship that you're in. And so you cannot fall from the purpose of God when you step out of the occupation that you're in. You cannot fall out of the purpose of God when you retire from your career. And so many people retire from their career and think, I've got no purpose left. I don't know what my purpose is, right? You still have purpose when you are unemployed. You still have purpose when you have re re uh, retired or resigned from your workplace. You still have purpose because our purpose is why you exist, not the thing that you do. And I want you to understand that today because the Holy Spirit is able to reveal to us why we exist. The Holy Spirit is able to reveal to you why you exist, why you were created, why you are here, why he made you on purpose, for purpose, by a purpose. God created you specifically to do something. You have been created to do something. If you are still hearing my voice today, you have been created to do something. And it is one of the greatest wastes of life to not know what your purpose is. And I want us to know what our purpose is. I want us to hear from God about what our purpose is. And so uh, I want us to, to pray right now um, because, because I think that God is, God is concerned ab uh, about the, not concerned about the person that you date, like he's worried about the person that you date, but he cares about who you date, but he doesn't control the person that you date because it's your choice. God is concerned about where you work but he doesn't really care about where you work because it's your decision about where you work. It's your life, right? And so God, through the Holy Spirit, is able to give us wisdom to make decisions to walk in the purpose that God has made for us. And so what I want us to do before we leave today, I'd love if we could stand and I wanna pray over you for us to be able to hear what it is that God has for us in this place, to be able to hear what it is that God's purpose is for our lives. And, and maybe you've never uh, taken time to listen to God. One of the best things that you can do when it comes to listening to God is to take time to pray. Not just to on the next time that you're driving for five minutes, 
to go and, uh, and, and ask God, God, what is my purpose? And think that as you're driving down the road, He's gonna show you what your purpose is. But take time to get away and pray. Like take a whole day and go and pray. Because God's gonna either reveal your purpose through revelation or speculation. You can keep guessing your way through life and you might eventually stumble upon it. Or through revelation, God can show you what your purpose is. And I believe that as we ask God that He is going to re reveal it to you. You might already know what your purpose is, but I believe that God can reveal it to you in a deeper way. And maybe you once knew what your purpose was and maybe you feel like it has changed and now you're unsure about why it is that you exist. I believe that God can reveal it to you. And so I want us to just to take this time right now and to pray and to seek God and to ask Him to speak. God, I'm thankful that you are here today. I'm thankful that you are speaking. I'm thankful that you are a speaking God, that you have not created us to release us and to leave us by ourselves, but that you have created us to walk with you. God, I thank you that you formed us in our mother's womb, that you knit us together for your purpose. God, I thank you that you knit us together to build your kingdom, not our own kingdom. God, and I ask today for those that are unsure what their purpose is, I ask that you would reveal it to them. I ask that you would reveal to them why it is that they exist. God, I ask that you would reveal it to them about why you created them specifically. Why am I here, God? I ask that you would speak to us clearly, that you would make it clear, that you would make it plain, that you would make it undeniable, that we would not be confused about it, but that we would walk boldly in it, that we would walk courageously in it. God, I, God, I know that there are those that know what their purpose has been, but they've stepped from it, God. Help us to realign with your purpose for our lives. Help us to be courageous enough to walk in the purpose that you have given us, God. Help us to, to courageously pursue it, to selflessly pursue what it is that you are doing on the earth. God, help us to be honored with the fact that you have chosen us, that you have given us something to do. I'm thankful for it, God. I'm thankful that you're speaking to us, that you're revealing to us, even now, that you would reveal to us, God, the ones that, that have a passion for the next generation, God, the ones that have a passion for safety, God, the ones that have a passion for outreach, the ones that have a passion for seeing your kingdom come, God. God, reveal it to us now what your purpose is specifically for each of us. I believe that you're speaking. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're revealing. Thank you, God, that you created us. God, thank you that you don't want us walking aimlessly through life, but that you have created us for a purpose. God, thank you that you want us to be living lives that are fulfilled, that you want us to be living lives that are filled with joy, that are filled with direction, that are filled with purpose, that are filled with passion, God. Thank you that you have created us for these things. We're excited about it. We're excited for what you are revealing. And I ask for the courage to be able to walk in those things. I ask for the removal of distraction that would distract us from different things, God, that you would show us the way that we need to walk and that we would be able to walk in it, God, that you would put the right kind of relationships around us, that you would put the right kind of people around us, God. Show us what we need to do. Show us how we need to do it, God. Show us when we need to do it, God. Help us, Father. Help us, Father. And it's in your name, God the mighty, awesome, wonderful, powerful, 
majestic, incredible name of Jesus that we've prayed, God. We believe you. We believe that you've created us, Father. In your name, Jesus, we've prayed. Amen? And amen? And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.